podcast. If you have a story to share, tell us. How are you going to leave your mark? Today's guest on Leave Your Mark is Lee Trebosik. He is a world-class musician and entertainer. He's been seen on America's Got Talent, season 10. He's performed in Las Vegas. He's worked with the Discovery Channel in a TV series in the life and death of Harry Houdini. He's currently working on a live documentary with the BBC, and he is a COVID survivor and also a true blood Pittsburgher. Hi there, and welcome. Now it's time for America's favorite podcast, Leave Your Mark, with your host, Vince Cortez. If it's fly, loose fit it, it's Cortez. If freeze and shovels in it, it's Cortez. Leave Your Mark is about inspiring the world, one guess at a time. Pass the word from Brooklyn to Pittsburgh, from urban to suburb, it's Cortez, you heard? And here is our host, Vince Cortez. Lee, thanks for being here today. I appreciate you coming by. Hey, good to see you, man. Thank you for having me. Well, yours is such a unique story. You found your calling when you were young. When people are younger and they get a, a quicker start on their passion in life, they make some serious tracks as they hit into their young adult life and then beyond. Start here in your childhood back in Pittsburgh. You are finding yourself being called to profession of being a magician and an entertainer. So can you share with me that epiphany moment when life began to churn for you. I grew up in the city of Pittsburgh. It was the first time I saw magic live. I was around 10 years old. Went to a birthday party. There was a magician at the birthday party. I was amazed. Came home and I remember seeing David Copperfield on television. And it was at this moment that I was like, I need to learn more. I need to know more about this. My parents were amazing. They saw this as an opportunity to take me to the Carnegie Library and check out books on magic, which I did. So I go to the library, get these books, start reading. And that's where it really, my journey into Hogwarts really began. But I thought that these books held this secret information, a secret world. And I remember as a kid, when I was learning magic, taking the magic that I was learning out of these books, running down the steps and then doing it for my parents, right? Uh-huh. And I remember, I remember those early days of when I would do it for my parents and I would do it for my sister and then I would do it for my friends at school. And I remember feeling that it's very a powerful thing when you can fool adults, you know, because it, it gave me that power. And that's really when that idea of being a magician really started to set in. That's what I was going to be. Part of your parents taking you to the library and making you a student of the profession, probably not in an intentional way student, but in a way of giving their child an opportunity to see where their interests lie. That was brilliant. And yeah. encouragement behind and it. If uh, that never happens, I'm probably not doing magic today. There was a moment when I got really big, really into magic around, you know, 10, 11 years old. And I remember my mom telling me, hey, I have a cousin named Robin that lives in New York City. And she said, maybe Robin will come to Pittsburgh for a holiday because Robin, he's also in the magic. And I was like, holy crap, like a real magician. And so what happened was, is my mom invited Robin in for a holiday for Thanksgiving. He comes in, knows that I'm into magic, kind of gives me that little, that push, Uh helped me with what I was working on already. I would take him to the magic shop in Pittsburgh because I had already started going to the magic shop in Pittsburgh, the Cuckoo's Nest. So that was already playing a big part in it. And after Robin, he had left, I still continued on this path. And before I knew it, mom was saying, hey, like, you know, you could probably like get booked for birthday parties now. That idea of like someone wanting to hire me now was like now creeping in. Like I was around 12, 13 years old. And then that entrepreneurial 
persona starts to trickle in, you know, it's like, oh my God, like I can go make money just doing card tricks. That was what blew my mind. You had two moments there that I think are very exciting. The first one was is being a child and knowing that you could fold dolls. Yeah, I don't know that there was a cool, I'm an adult and I get enjoying it out of that. I know. <laughs> but you're going and you're doing magic shows at the seventh and eighth grade level. Now, when you're going into the high school and you find yourself in a crossroads here, you're going to graduate from Baldwin High School. It's a choice of yours. You're a scholarship quality athlete. As much as I was juggling the magic, I was also into soccer, track, basketball. And so that was why I wanted to go to those Baldwin High School and graduate from there is because I thought it gave me the best opportunity for sports in college. But at the same time, I was doing magic through high school all the time. I was doing it at the track meets. I was doing it at the soccer. I was the headliner at the, the soccer banquets. I was using magic to meet girls. Great idea. Yeah, I would, I would make the salt shaker disappear at, at dinner. I would never make it reappear. And then the girl, after the kiss goodnight, she goes into her home. She opens her purse and inside is the salt shaker. I was always guaranteed a second date. So I was, um, I was maximizing my unique talent. But at the same time, through high school, I was performing at restaurants. So I was performing at five to six restaurants a oh, week. Oh, wow. Your full-time job at that point. I had a full-time career. Wow. I, was, I was hitting the books. You know, I was going to high school. After high school, I was doing track practice or soccer practice or soccer game. And then I was off to, to perform magic okay. for two hours at a restaurant. My first gig was Pizza Hut in Lincoln Place, Buttermilk Hollow Road, when I was 13. And even in high school, I was now performing for corporate clients. Corporate clients were even paying me to come in and do magic for them. So I was building a business while I was in high school, right? Yeah. But it was this junction point at high school to college where everything could, the wheels could have came off for me because I then wanted to go into the military because that was right around when 9-11. Connect with us on LinkedIn. Be our friend on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Whether jumping out the MP or jumping on the app. You are listening to listening to Vince Cortez. We just want you to leave your mark. The 9-11 happens, you're crossroad here with your soccer and your entertainment. A big influence of yours was Paul Gardner shows up Gardner, about yes. this time. So you yeah. have three or four things going on of heavy influence. Heavy influence. Paul Gardner, and one of the best magicians in the world, is from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And well, we'll say I, two of them. You're from well, Pittsburgh. <laughs> so cute, man. But Paul is just, he's in another league, man. He's the, he is the king. I had heard about Paul Gardner when I was a kid. You know, when I was done in the magic, I heard this amazing magician. We have one of the best in the world that lives right here in town. And I was like, okay, I got to see this guy. And here's what's crazy thing about Pittsburgh is how small this city really is. I remember telling my godmother that I, I'm a magician. You know, she knew I was a magician. And I told her about this magician that I had heard is like the mega star of magic in Pittsburgh has been on multiple television shows. And she goes, Oh, I know Paul. And I went, you know, Paul Gertner. And she said, Oh yeah, I know Paul. And she goes, he's actually doing a show called 10 fingers at the city theater. in like a few months I saw it advertised. She goes, I'll take you. And I go, okay, my godmother and my parents, we all go to opening night to see Paul Gertner, 10 fingers city theater. His opening act is Jim Cred, actually, introduces him, right? And after that, I was blown away by Paul's performance. Un unbelievable. I, was, I, was a, I thought I was a hotshot little magician. I saw Paul Gertner and I realized I was a nobody. I then, after the show, 
go up to meet him. And that's when my godmother introduces Paul and she says, hey, this is one of my old boyfriends. So she dated him in high school in the 70s. Oh, wow. So now I now have this link to this amazing magician in Pittsburgh. She creates that link for me. And then I, throughout the years, build that relationship with him. And more or less, you know, over those years, uh, he really helped guide me in my future in being a magician. Now, right at that moment of college, that was when I sat down with Paul and I told him, you know, my thoughts on going to the military and GI bills. And oh, your military too. Just a quick backstory. Now, you said that your grandfather was a Marine. So that Marine. creates a very strong emotion. Absolutely. Yeah. World War II veterans. You know, I remember what, him telling me war stories as a kid. You know, so it's like all these little things are trickling into my head at this moment, which is a very crucial point. I oh, think yeah. everybody's live is at that 18, 19 years old range. Because what you do for those next few years really does set you up for the next 20 years in a way. And they said to me, they said, Lee, you're really good at magic. You're working in all these restaurants. You're making really good money for an 18-year-old kid. They said, you're an amazing athlete. You've got offers for D1 scholarships. They said, what do you want to do? In that moment, I said, I want to go to the Marine. So Paul sits me down and he really says, Lee... He says, you really are an amazing magician. He goes, you really should reconsider because I think you would be best served for your future if you really took the understanding of what show business is. So I was intrigued by that. I ended up deciding to go to Robert Morris University to get a degree in business and marketing, all while I was still performing. You mentioned that you turned down an athletic scholarship as well. I was. Yeah, I was getting recruited. But at the same time, I knew I was never going to be a professional athlete, right? I'm never going to play. I don't think I'm ever going to the Olympics. I'm never playing in MLS. But this magic thing, I was really, really good at. And at a very young age, I have all this time put into it already. And it's already, in a way, turning into this little mini career. And then the light bulb went off over my head. And I said, you know, instead of me going out and joining the Marines, getting this GI Bill and I said, why don't I use magic as my way to pay for school? Why don't I put the hard work in, pay my dues, but Great idea. Time, get an education that also will set me up. I want to be an entertainer. I want to be Paul Gertner on television. It was seeing his success and knowing that I could make that my success in my own way. You are listening to Leave Your Mind with your host, Vince Cortez. Leave Your Mind. Your mind. Inspiring the world. One guess at a time. Now, when you start going, now you're out of college, your uh, opportunities in front of you in the television, you would later experience in being America's Got Talent. You begin your climb. You start ascending. So that came out of the hustle of getting into the college world of doing shows on college campuses. That's how I really started to expand my business and the amount of shows and gigs I was turning out in a given, you know, six months, because I saw it as a really great way to get my name around the country. Because, you know, as an entertainer, that's the ultimate like joy, right? Is getting to use your art as a way to almost see the world for free, you know, get paid on vacation in a way. I was going to these conferences around the country. I was performing and investing in my future and I was getting booked. 30, 40 universities were booking me first semester. Now you're building tours. You know, you don't even realize it, but you're building a fan base. And as you're building this fan base at these universities, these students eventually graduate college. And as they grow up, they remember you from coming to their college campus and performing for them. So it's a giant cycle of like how to build that momentum, those blocks. 
to build upon your career to keep it actually just going. Your hard work here now begins to pay off because these blocks and what you've laid in the way of groundwork now and the beauty of Pittsburgh being a small place, you wind up on KDK TV. I had the idea of wanting to start doing Pittsburgh show theaters, just like I saw Paul Gardner do at that city theater show when I was a kid. And so that's what I did. I started to do something called four walling where I would rent out the theater. I had this marketing degree, right? I was like, I got to put it to use. So I'd rent out theaters in Pittsburgh and I would put on shows and I would sell the tickets and do the marketing. And it was through doing that where I would make TV connections in Pittsburgh, KDKA. Dave Crowley comes to a show. You know, I have uh, Rick Seabag come into a show doing a piece on me for his stuff. So it's like I'm starting to build this little, you know, this kind of this Pittsburgh brand. And as I started to climb the ranks, you know, the college shows and the bigger corporate shows, I'm now starting to climb the ranks of doing public shows and, and getting my name out there in the Pittsburgh market. Now I'm getting, you know, I'm becoming a regular on Pittsburgh Today Live. It was at this moment that I dipped my toe into the national television. And this was right around when I was getting crazy doors open for me. I was, I was telling you, I did a show for Robbie Krieger of The Doors. In Malibu, probably. Yeah, it was in Malibu. And, and it was when I was there, it was a golf event. I was hanging out in the green room with all the celebrities. I mean, I'm doing magic for Johnny Depp. I'm doing magic for Gene Simmons. You know, it's totally insane. And I'm thinking like, how am I in this room doing this stuff with these people? I'm hanging out with Jack Black, forming a friendship with him over magic. Because so many celebrities are into the art of magic. They love it. They're all fans of the Magic Castle in Hollywood, which is a really like a mecca for magicians where we all kind of hang out when we're in L.A. And it was right at this moment where like I'm hanging out with Gene Simmons and in comes a camera crew that is following him around filming his TV series. So what they do, they filmed me for him and they used some of the footage in one of the episodes. That was signed for Gene Simmons, Family Jewels. Gene Simmons, Family Jewels. That was like the very first like moment where I had a reality show, you know, capturing what I was doing for a celebrity. And then that, that's kind of crazy because that's like a fate thing or a karma thing where you're putting in the paces and the work. You go out there and you're at a golf event and you wind up on TV on cable yeah, wind up on, all in the, the same television time. Show. Once that show was out, I pressed it and then I was on to the next thing. And as these things started to build, you know, America's Got Talent was always one of those who was hitting me up. And to be honest with you, I had said no to AGT in the very beginning. And, and the reason why was in the magic community, we had gotten some like, you know, bad information that doing that show at that moment was not a great look because how the show was being run it was being run kind of in a way where they sometimes like to embarrass people for the radio. When you sign your contracts, you really don't have control of who you are on television. And that's a scary thing. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, I had been saying no in the AGT producers. The first time I was really excited that you could be considered. And then I really started to do my homework and that about if I should do the show or not. And that's when I found out at that moment, I really shouldn't. But that had changed. The dynamic of AGT, the arc on that show had changed. They went from being a quote unquote gong show, if you remember the gong show. Oh, yeah. And it became a show that really was changing people's lives. And so the year I decided to do it was season 10. How the show works is you get booked in like a professional entertainer. Those open casting call auditions, they're all for cameras. None of the people that go through those things ever really get picked. The real way to get on that show is, is knowing producers and having private auditions. That's the real way those people get on their shows. So there's a little bit of manipulation in how contestants or how entertainers are on those shows. 
once I've done AGT and had a little bit of PR that came with that, I was on to my other idea that I had been working on since 2010 called Houdini 100. And that was one of the most pivotal moments in my career. Now, at this time, you performed in Vegas too. Were you on in Vegas before AGT or after? I had gotten a chance to do some shows in Vegas before. I'd done some big corporate events and played random places. So nothing too crazy. I wasn't headlined in the Mirage, you know, nothing like that. But definitely doing some shows in Vegas. But seeing, you know, not only Las Vegas, but like getting performing in LA, getting these amazing opportunities to do shows in New York. And I was on the very, for a corporate client. They flew me out, private jet party for 50 people they run it out the entire top floor of that of the willis tower i mean it's like that that was That's like impressive the entire I mean, city of chicago is my backdrop for a 30 minute show is like wow like that's yeah. wow. no that's hot now you're moving on here where you find out that the legend of magic harry houdini has done this straitjacket routine hanging from a building and this place happened to be in Pittsburgh of all places. Yeah. So this and moment is really the most, I would say, important moment in my career. I happen to be at this moment in 2010, I had been on the road with Paul now, Gertner, and I was his helper. I would do help us set up his tech for his shows. I knew all the magic in his shows, so I'd set up some of the tricks. He took me with him for a performance that he was doing in New York City in Manhattan for SAM which is a Society of American Magicians. You know, it's an organization. This organization in New York is the very first one, and it was actually created by Harry Houdini, and he was the very first president. You know, New York and Houdini are very important in this moment. After the show, the next day, well, we're about to come back to Pittsburgh, and Paul says, hey, do you want to go see if we can find Harry Houdini's grave? Now, I didn't even know Harry was buried in New York, right? I thought he was buried in Appleton, Wisconsin, because when Harry came from over from Budapest, he ended up moving to Appleton, Wisconsin. He made claim that that was his home. That was where he was born and raised. So when Paul says to me, hey, do you want to go find Harry? We go to this little Jewish cemetery in Queens. And so we go and find Harry Houdini's grave and we sit down and talk magic and history and Harry Houdini. And then later that day, we come back to Pittsburgh. Now, it's when we get back in Pittsburgh that Paul actually gives me a copy of this book. Now, this isn't the book he gave me. The one he gave me was the first edition. It's a giant coffee table book. It's beautiful. They only made 300 copies of them when they printed back in uh, 2009. And so he happened to have a few. So when I got back to Pittsburgh with him, he gave me one of the copies um, as a gift, as a thank you. And later that night, while I was in my home, on my kitchen table, I opened up that book and I was able to find in the book, found the photo of Harry Houdini doing the straitjacket escape in downtown Pittsburgh. On this building right here, it actually says the Pittsburgh Post. Oh, right? yeah, there it is. And then in the corner, it's dated November 6, 1916. And so I see this image in that book that evening. And a moment came into my head that said, I'm going to recreate this on the 100th anniversary. Right then and there. I knew what I was going to do. And so once I had the idea in my head, that little seed, it grew. Because I knew I had six years to accomplish this goal. Now you think about six years, that's a lot of time. To be honest with you, it came so quick. <laughs> you know, it was, I couldn't believe how fast six years went on that project. I started the early work on it. And as I went, I was chipping away of what the performance would be on this date. I wanted to do it on you know, November 6, 2016, I wanted to do it at the exact same corner where Harry did it 
Wood Street and Liberty Avenue in downtown Pittsburgh. I recruited Rick Seebeck to help me find all these details. I figured out that he did it at exactly noon, all this information. And then I put it on my calendar on November 6, 2016. I knew that I would be hanging in downtown Pittsburgh in a straitjacket. Upside so, down. Upside down. So now as I lead up to this, there was a lot of work that was being done from concept <laughs> to you know training, figuring out how do I block all these streets downtown and bring a crane, all this stuff. But I'm figuring out all these things on my own. Now, as I get closer and closer and closer to this big day, you know, I'm building the buzz and building the marketing on it. Obviously, I'm rolling the dice hard on the weather because it's an outside event, you know, and I'm doing it for free. So it's a little crazy, but that's what you got to be sometimes when, you, when you're going to do something like <laughs> hanging upside down a straitjacket. You got to be a little nuts. So essentially, that's what I did. I built that buzz and then day of, it was a beautiful day. God showed down on me and gave me an amazing, beautiful day. And I had thousands of people show up. There were press all around the world. We had like 80,000 people watching live on Facebook. Uh, so it was really, really, really wild. And then shortly after that performance of Houdini 100, I then am now getting calls from Discovery Channel and bigger networks are now reaching out to me, offering me development deals. These development deals actually do come to fruition. I then signed with Discovery Channel to make a show called Houdini's Last Secrets which was so cool because I got to replicate even more of Harry Houdini's tricks or his stunts. I got to do this and see it around the world. I got to go to Budapest, Hungary. You know, I got to perform in London. Also on the show, I had an incredible co-star. Uh, his name is George Hardeen. And the wild thing about George is he's the great-grandnephew of Harry Houdini. So now I'm in the family. I'm filming this docu-series with a member of the Houdini family. I'm traveling around the world. I'm going to museums where they have all this Houdini stuff under glass that you can't touch. But when you show up with a member of the family and a camera crew, they just take the stuff out and hand it to you. So now I'm getting this once-in-a-lifetime experience to learn even more about Harry Houdini through Houdini stuff. I'm reading his actual journals. I'm playing with the keys. I'm getting to examine locks. And before I know it, once I'm done with the show, I'm back in Pittsburgh. At this point, I had developed 52 Up Close, which was my hometown residency in Pittsburgh. I do at Hotel Monaco. I'm also now working with the Cultural Trust, creating a downtown uh, magic-only venue called Liberty Magic. All these things are rocking and rolling. I have a new television show because we were looking at a season two of Houdini's Last Secrets. Then we transitioned to my own show with Discovery and all the way up to this moment, and then the pandemic hits. I mentioned that in the intro that you're a COVID survivor. So, yeah, I mean, at this point, starting out what you said, 10, 12 years old, you've been a veteran of this about two decades now. Yes. It's almost not surprising that you knew what to do with the camera crew and showing up as you do, because you're a wheel in motion. You're, re you're ready to go. If they're ready to make it happen, so are you. So everything's progressing. Television shows, you're getting calls now instead of seeking business. And the COVID hits you. And how does this affect what you're doing and what you turn into after surviving? Um, you know what? Interesting. Going into COVID, my 2019 was totally insane. I always say I'm one of the luckiest people in the world that I've gotten a chance to be a magician every single day of my life. I've never had, quote unquote, a real job. But when this became a career, it's not a 40-hour work week for me. This is literally every day, 365 every single day of the year. And that was one of the hard things about being, this is all I do for a living, was because I was always on the road. 
And, and, and over time, that beats you up, right? And you're always by yourself. There's peaks and valleys with it. You're on stage. Well, yours is also, too. Your magic is you don't have the assistant in most of I don't, people. no. I'm a solo You're a one-man show. And when you think about it, if you're if almost every single day is travel, do a show for a couple hundred people or thousands of people, get this incredible high, then you're back at your hotel room by yourself. And then the next day you're traveling by yourself. And then the next day you're in a hotel by yourself. And it's another pie back on stage. And it's so it's a constant diss every day. And so over time, I hated having to tell people that I couldn't make it to their wedding. I can't be there for that uh. birthday. That, you know, that type of stuff. It's my career. My career always came first. It was hard to separate the two. That obviously plays a really big point in my decision in 2016 or 2015. That was when I really came home and dedicated myself to Pittsburgh. And that was because I knew Houdini 100 was coming up later that year. And then my dream was to build 52 up close at a, at a hotel. And so I worked on 52 through 2017, 2018, 2019, also building Liberty Magic with Cultural Trust. And in 2019, I did 155 public ticketed performances in Pittsburgh leading up to December. Wow. I took December, I always take December off from public performances to only perform for corporate. So I'm now doing 30 to 35 corporate dates in the month of December alone. So I'm beating up my body, right? You know, I'm wearing myself out every day. It's, I'm exhausted for, as an entertainer. I mean, I'm on stage, you do it, you get home, you sleep for a few hours, you're up, you're doing it all again. And that's every day during December almost. January hits and I'm sick as a dog on the couch for three straight weeks. And I chalked it up to probably having to getting the flu because of how many handshakes I do after shows. A lot of photos, a lot of close kissing babies and shaking hands is, oh, yeah. is what magicians are doing. I'm now pretty really sick in January, purposely built into my calendar in January to take the entire month off to write the next TV show that I was working on in the fall. You know, I needed a block of time in January to work on this. I'm now working on it, but I'm sick on the couch. And it was from being sick on the couch, I was learning about COVID well before anybody else knew about COVID. I was telling people about this crazy disease in China and how it's going to wreck our world. And everybody thought I was a lunatic at that moment. And they ought to eat their words, by the way. That, that's another <laughs> thing. But as I, as I got better and I started to see the world then changing, it was that March 13th date, that Friday the 13th, where it changed. And at that moment, I was supposed to begin filming my pilot for that new show for Discovery at the end of March in Texas. And I had, you know, all these live shows planned out through 2020. We were going to bring 52 up close back for 52 performances that spring. We, I was going to be back at Liberty Magic with two runs of two different shows. My year was booked till 2021. And to see that, you know, that all just come to a halt. And I saw it come to a halt a lot sooner than everybody else. Oh, yeah. I started seeing dates ticking off my calendar in early February. Some wow. people out there, some of these corporate clients, they kind of saw it. They saw the writing on the wall. And, and as an entertainer, I was getting canceled for shows that like I have done five years in a row. Now I'm putting two and two together. Like, you know, we will be back stronger than ever when this opens back up, you know, full force. And I can't wait to be back on stage sharing magic with people. If you have a story to share, tell us how are you going to leave your, leave mark? your mark? We want you to be our guest. Contact us, leave your mark with our host Vince Cortez. 
anybody who comes on this show, we ask them, uh, how would they like to leave their mark in this world? How would you like to be remembered? I think just being remembered is the most coolest part, if you can be remembered. But I, if I had to pick something to be remembered by, I hope it is that I gave as much magic to the city of Pittsburgh and to the world as much as I could every single day that I've been on this earth. So since I got bit by the magic bug, uh-huh. I have been blessed to share magic with so many people Millions. around the world through so many different mediums, whether it's live on stage, in person, from backstage, doing a meet and greet, you know, doing more magic for the men, doing magic via virtual space, meeting thousands and thousands of people around the world, just doing magic, virtual magic shows, you know, doing television and having my magic on television inspire future magician or just give somebody a smile for that day. That's why I do what I do. But every time I crack a deck of cards and do a magic trick for somebody, I have the power to change their day, their mentality, their, even their life. And that's a really, really cool feeling and a really cool power. This is awesome. You got to live your passion and you're yeah. still uh, midstream of life. You got a lot of life ahead of you. So there's a lot more magic to go from one Croatian brother to another. <laughs> well, thank uh, you thank for you coming me, on, Lee. I appreciate yeah, your time so thank much. You. Pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. You're a joy to see somebody live their life's passion. It it always feels good and it's always inspiring. So keep doing it. You're representing yourself in Pittsburgh well. I'm a Yenzer. So I have all kind of big, big ideas coming in the future to the city of Pittsburgh. I'll be back as soon as this COVID stuff is done. I'll be back on stage in downtown and doing shows again. So look for that. Those who are are tuning in and listening, uh, you can go to 52upclose.com. You can go to leetrobosa.com. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, all those places, Facebook. I plan to bring the shows back as soon as I can and uh, be doing another Houdini 100-esque stunt in the near future as well. Excellent. And lots of TV to come to. Uh, That's That's perfect. We'll see you soon. We're going to keep track and we'll be watching you on the internet. Awesome. Thanks for listening to Leave Your Mark today. Tune into our next episode of Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez. Be blessed. You just left your mark. Thanks for listening. listening. Listen to more episodes on demand. Just click Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez.